Cool story, huh? Get a hand to uh, people doing that. Well, some of the most hurtful words that I've ever experienced in my life actually happened in elementary school uh, during recess. And they would be words like, you're fat, you're stupid, you're ugly. And they would make these faces at you. Now, uh, kids sometimes can be really mean, can't they? They can be extremely mean. But the good thing is that once we become adults, uh, we're able to handle our words better, right? Uh, Wrong. I mean, adults use words sometimes as nuclear weapons to destroy people, to put other people down so that they build themselves up. And this kind of leads us to our big idea this morning. This is your first fill-in, so if you have your program, you can fill this in. If you're on the uh, stream right now, on the JAR app, and this is our big idea this morning. Words are powerful. Words are powerful. And words have the power to create and to heal and to build other people up. And words also have the ability to damage and to hurt and to actually destroy. I want to see if you can uh, take care of this phrase. I'll give half of it, and then I want you to complete it. But it's one that people say often around words, and here's the phrase. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Words will never hurt me. You've heard it before, right? I don't know who came up with that phrase, but that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life because it makes no sense. Words hurt. In fact, we use words to hurt way more than any damage that sticks or stones could ever create because words are powerful. Now, in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, it says this. The tongue, that is our words, has the power of what? What's it say? Of life and of what? Of death. Of life and death. Our words are powerful and they can either be life-giving or they can be life-taking, toxic words that create a hot mess in many of our lives because of the words that we use. Let me give you a a couple of more scriptures that kind of contrast this idea between life-giving words and life-taking words. Proverbs 21, 18 says this about reckless words. So let's read this all together, all in one voice. One, two, three. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. What does the tongue of the wise bring? What is it? It brings healing. Proverbs 15, 4 says this. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. But there is another type of tongue. A deceitful tongue. A toxic tongue that crushes the spirit. What is it that a toxic, deceitful tongue do? What does it do? It crushes the spirit. I have a feeling that some of you have experienced hurtful, toxic words before that have actually crushed your spirit. Maybe they were very casual words where someone comes up and goes, 
Did you get your hair cut? Because it looks weird. And you listen to that, and you're like, did you really do that to your hair? And you're like, oh, and you feel kind of insecure because you thought your hair was looking good, and then all of a sudden, they're not so sure your hair looks so good, and you just feel kind of overwhelmed by all of that, and you're kind of hurt. Or it could be that someone comes up to you, and they're like, you're not married yet? I mean, somebody that's your age and where you're at, like you're not married and they don't think about it too much. But for you, it just like crushes your spirit a little bit. Maybe the words are a little bit more direct. Someone comes up to you, maybe your parents and they say, well, why can't you just be more like your brother or your sister? Or maybe you're in a relationship and they're like, you know what? I just don't love you like the way that I used to. Uh, you, you've created so many issues. I, I just don't know if I want to be in this relationship. Uh, you kind of bring me down. You're, you're creating issues for me. You're such a disappointment to me. I don't love you anymore. I'm interested in somebody else. And many times, these kind of words can be spoken by the people that we trust the most and that we love the most. And it can be very, very painful. But we can also give folks life-giving words that build up and encourage another person. Words like, I believe in you. I'm proud of you. I love you. You're an amazing husband. You're an awesome wife. You're such a great kid. I want to lift you up. You are gifted. If I had to marry you all over again, I would do it. You are an answer to my prayer. Those are life-giving words. You know, I was blessed with two parents that were just filled with encouragement for me. My dad was always kind of like a coach, whether it was going to a sporting event or whether I was going to school, he'd get, he would kind of get around and go, Chris, Chris, I want you to know, buddy, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it, dude. You got this. You go for it. And he would just encourage me like a coach uh, in a huddle. My, my mom, though, maybe is the most encouraging person uh, that I know of uh, growing up as a kid. She would always look at me and she would go, you know what, Chris? You are so special. You are, you are God's gift. God's got great things for you. You're going to be able to do amazing things in this world. And she would just pour it into me and pour it into me. And, and it made me actually start to believe it. And the reason that I'm standing here today is because of those words of encouragement that she gave me. Now, my wife didn't realize that I was that, you know, big-headed sometimes. And so the words maybe, you know, for her is like, yeah, your mom, you know, you're, you're a little baby boy. You're just always, you know, perfect. You're always perfect. Well, I'm not perfect. Close, but not perfect, you know. And it was those words, though, that encouraged me and, and let me know that. Well, once Jennifer and I started a family, uh, I was very clear that I wanted this bunch tradition to continue on with my two girls. And so I really thought about it. What were some phrases that I could say to them when they were very little over and over again that they'd never forget for the rest of their life? And so one of the phrases that I would say often, it was I would look at both Jordan and Shiloh and I would tell them, if I had to line up all the little girls in the world, I would choose you number one to be my daughter. 
And I would say that again and again and again. And I remember Shiloh one time saying, Dad, could you say it again? Because I really like it when you say it. And she's, she would go around, she's like, I'm number one. Now, I created a little bit of sibling rivalry there, you know. And, uh, but she would believe that. Uh, each night before we would uh, put them to bed, the one thing was I always wanted to be able to pray over my kids. And so I'd pray this prayer all the time, uh, still do today. God, I pray right now that you would be with Jordan, you would be with Shiloh, that you would impact them in such a way that they would impact this world in a greater way than their mom or myself. And I remember praying that over, that they would impact the world in a greater way than their mom or I. And I remember one time Jordan was in her Winnie the Pooh uh, pajamas, and she looked at me like this, and she said, I'm going to do it, Daddy. And, and she put a crown on her head on that day, and she was just like, yes, this is going to be me. I, I'm going to do this. Now, folks, I realize that for some of you, you were raised in homes where you didn't get that kind of encouragement. And I'm sorry for that. Some of you didn't receive it. But this is the thing that's true for every single one of us. We can start doing it today. We can use our words because words are powerful. They're either either life-giving or they're life-taking. You know, my my wife Jennifer is uh, probably the biggest encouragement in my life, and and regularly she'll she'll send me texts and go, you know what, you are such a great dad to the girls. You really build them up. I love the text on Sunday where she'll like, you know, you did a really good job on stage and, and you, you really express God's words. And you know what? You have a cute butt. And I'll tell you, like, like words like that, man, those are life-giving words. They just encourage you. And you choose every single day. You choose whether your words are going to be life-giving or they're going to be life-taking. Now, for the rest of our time, what I simply want to do is share with you three words of wisdom around this whole idea about how we express our words. Now, the first one is going to be about the words that we hear from other people. And the second or the the next two are going to be words that we actually speak to other folks. Because when we don't have this wisdom, folks, with our words, we can create hot messes all over the place. So here's the the first one about the words that we hear. Guard your heart against toxic words. You've got to guard your heart against any toxic words. Whatever it takes, you've got to guard your heart against those things. I mean, we cannot control what other people say to us, right? But we can control what we're actually going to believe. In fact, Solomon, uh, considered the wisest man in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, in Proverbs chapter 4, he speaks to his son, but it's words that are spoken to all of us today. And in this conversation, he says this, My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Then he gives him the most important advice. He says, above all else, more important than anything, lean into this, son. Hear this. These words are wisdom. Above all else, he says what? He says, guard your heart. He says, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. 
Son, guard your heart against any toxic words that you hear from other people. Don't let those words in. During my uh, eighth grade year, I went out for the basketball team. And in seventh grade, I made the team. I was actually one of the starters. But in eighth grade, we got a different coach, and uh, his name was Coach Raby. And uh, we had the tryouts, and I played really, really well. And, I mean, I was juking people. I was shooting jumpers. I was making people look bad. Now, we had a couple of kids transfer in, and I thought to myself, I'm probably number six or seven on the depth chart. And they had three cuts. I made the first two. We got to the final cut. And on that particular cut, what they would do, they would place a piece of paper outside the basketball office, and they would rank one to however many kids they kept, and the number one was the best kid, according to Coach Raby, all the way down. So I get ready that next morning. I'm so excited. I'm sure my name's on there, and I'm probably around six or seven. I walk up to the piece of paper, and I look, and I see I'm not number one. I'm not number two. I'm not number three. I'm not number six. I'm not number 10. I'm not number 12. I'm number 13 out of 14. And I thought to myself, well, you know what? Uh, I need to pray right now for Coach Raby that he gets rabies. Um, <laughs> Not really. But because I had all these words from my parents saying, you can do anything, Chris, I'm like, I'm going to prove him wrong. I'm going to prove him wrong. So we get to practice, and I'm practicing really hard, and he blows the whistle. He calls me over. He said, I just want you to know you're just going to be a player manager. You're not going to get much time at all, and you're really not that good, so don't expect much. You're just not good enough. And my spirit was like crushed. As an eighth grade boy, you never want to cry in front of your coach, and so I held it all in. But I remember just feeling crushed. And the truth is this, folks, for the rest of my life, I've often heard that word when Satan gets into me. Hey, you're not good enough. You don't have what it takes. And even though I went on and, uh, you know, I made the varsity team and I played on the team and I got a letter and all that, I constantly at different times when things aren't going right, I remember Coach Raby once again saying, You know what? You just aren't good enough. You're just not enough. You ever hear those words from somebody? No matter how hard you try to get them out of your mind, they have a tendency to come at the most challenging times of your life. When I was in college, I wasn't the best student. I just had to work really, really hard. I actually had to take some remedial classes to get into the classes. My girls always laugh. Dad, you didn't get into English 101? I was like, no. They had a thing called English 100. That's what I did. And they're like, now you publicly speak? I'm like, hey, God does miracles all the time. You know, I mean, it's just, just the way that it is. And so in college, what would happen is when I'd get a bad grade or something wasn't there, I'd hear Coach Raby's voice again, you're not enough. And it kind of translated. You're not smart enough. You're just not smart enough. And then when I applied for history teaching jobs and I would go and I would, I would do everything that I thought I could do, they'd say, you know what? You're just not what we're looking for. And when we started the the jar. It took me 18 months to actually pull the trigger because I was so afraid because everyone around me was saying, you'll never be able to grow a church in Muncie. 
the population's down, the economy's bad, uh, crime is up, drugs is all over the place. You'll not be able to do it. And I was like, God, I I want to know where do you want me to start this church? And I've only heard God speak audibly twice in my life. One time he just said no. The second time he said these words because I think he realized I needed the encouragement. He said, Chris, I want you to start this church in Muncie. I never want you to ask me again. And I'm for you. I'm with you. I'm going to help you through this. You will have power and strength through me. Folks, if you've ever had someone in your life say, you're not good enough or you don't have what it takes, this is what I want to tell you. You are not who others say you are. You are who God says you are. You are not who others say you are, you are who God says you are. And for some of you, you've received so many hurtful words, so many toxic words from people in your family, from friends, from coworkers, and you've taken it all in and you're not listening to the most important voice in your life. And that is the one who created you. And he tells you today, you are not who others say you are, you are who I say you are. So above all else, he says, when you're listening to other people, guard your hearts and don't believe what they say. Now for the rest of our time, I want to talk about though the words that we say, the things that we say to other people. And the first wisdom that I could give to you is this, speak life-giving words to others every chance you get. You speak life-giving words to others every single chance that you get. So, if you're going to be able to speak life-giving words to others, guess what you're going to have to do first? You want to take a guess? You see, because this is what happens. When you bite your tongue first... You squelch the words. And then after you do that, then you can make the decision. You can make the choice to give life-giving words to others all the time. But first of all, you've got to bite your tongue. And that's what some of you need to work at. How do I stop first So I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to give life-giving words. Here's what it says in Ephesians 4.29. It says this. Do not let any what? What's the next word? Unwholesome. Unwholesome talk. Don't let any toxic words come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful. And it's helpful for what? For building others up according to the needs that it may benefit those who listen. Now, here's a rule that we kind of started when Jennifer and I first started uh, to have children. We said that we're going to make this a rule. Whenever we think something good about someone in our family, we're going to say it. Every single time that we think something good about someone else in our family, we're just going to say it. Now, the truth is that in the bunch household, sometimes we say bad things about each other. 
If you want to know what Dr. Jennifer Bunch has said to me sometimes, I'm just joking. Uh, It's way worse on my side, believe me. But sometimes we don't do that. And so we've had to start a practice so that we get better because we're not always good at it. And this is what we do. This is one of the things that we practice. We call it the encouragement game. We do it every single time that we're in the car for more than an hour together. When we get in the car and when the girls were little, they could not watch videos on that little screen in the back with their headphones. And now we don't let them on their phones for the first 10 to 15 minutes. We get in the car and what we do is we go around all four of us and everyone has to say one encouraging word about uh, one of the people all the way through until we get through all four of us. And sometimes it'll be one thing, sometimes two, sometimes three, but we say it. Well, as we did this over and over again, we decided every time we go with someone for more than an hour, if they're in our car, you're going to have to do this as well. And so when my parents would come, even my in-laws who are watching right now, love you, uh, we, we would sit there and we would say encouraging things all around them and it would help our relationship. And then when our girls would bring someone, if we went to the zoo or a baseball game, we would do that as well. And I'll never forget one of their friends was sitting in the back and I said, hey, this is something that we do. We don't watch anything or you know, play anything. We, we do the encouraging game and you don't have to say any of the words. Um, but we're going to say the words about you. And so we go around our own family, and then we get to this little girl, and uh, we'll just call her Sally. And we go, Sally, now, now it's, it's time we're going to give words to you. And every single one of us would give words. And I was looking up at my rearview mirror, and all of a sudden, you just saw Sally smiling. She was just like, oh. You could see these words coming in. I said, hey, now if you want, you can say these words to us. And, and this is what she said. She said, well, no, I I can't do that because in my family, we save the words for birthdays and holidays. We save the words for birthdays and holidays. In your family system, in your marriage, in your relationship with your nieces, your nephews, are you saving the words till holidays? Are you saving the words until their birthdays? Folks, I'm telling you, That life-giving words were not meant to be saved for special occasions. They were meant to be said every single day of your life. Life-giving words that you speak over and over and over again to the people around you. And I promise you this, I promise you this, that if you have a bad marriage, if you have a struggling marriage right now, I guarantee what's happening in that is there are more toxic words than there are life-giving words that are happening in that relationship. I promise you, I promise you. You know what else? I promise you that in any relationship you have, whether it's with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, whether it's with a brother or a sister, a mom or a dad, or with one of your kids, if it's struggling right now, if it's hurting, I guarantee you, I promise, there are more toxic words than there are life-giving words that are happening in that relationship. Folks, words are powerful. So guard your heart against toxic words. And then every chance that you get, you speak life-giving words to others. And then one more kind of word of wisdom, and it's this. Speak life-giving words 
to yourself and to your circumstances. Speak life-giving words to yourself and to your circumstances. Now, there are many of us in this auditorium and you on the stream right now that are watching or one time you might be watching in a moment that you have a lot of bad self-talk. You're constantly telling yourself bad things. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm just not enough. For some of you, you might even be saying, my life stinks. My marriage is always going to be bad. My finances are always going to be bad. I'm never going to enjoy my job. And you constantly speak those words over and over again, and they become negative, and they're faithless, and they're self-derogatory to you. And you do that again and again and again. One of the things that I see with young girls all the time since I have two girls is that they're constantly body shaming themselves. They'll say, you know what, I'm not pretty or I'm fat or I don't like this part of my body. And where do they get that sometimes? From mom or grandma or for somebody else that is body shaming themselves. And this constant talk happens within our minds. Now, Ecclesiastes Uh, Chapter 3, verse 11 says this. God has made everything what? What's it say? Beautiful. Everything beautiful. Now, if he made everything beautiful, guess what? You're a part of the everything. Okay? You are a part of the everything. So turn to the person beside you right now and just tell them, You're beautiful. Go ahead. I'm saving marriages right now. Go ahead. And you've got to say that to yourself because I'm telling you, you won't hear it from other people. So you got to tell yourself. David, a man after God's own heart, realized that the human race was beautiful and he internalized it and he said these words. He said, body and soul, I am marvelously made. Folks, you are beautiful at body and soul. You are marvelously made. And you need to remind yourself of that regularly. But speaking, life-giving words to yourself is just part of it. But you've also got to speak life-giving words to your circumstances as well. Jesus illustrated this with the power of faith in words when he says this. He says this, he says, if you say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and do not doubt in your heart, but believe that you, but believe that what you say will happen, it will be done for you. In other words, if anyone speaks faith to a mountain and say, get out of here, it will be done. So this is what you have to do when you have mountains in your life. You don't speak to the mountain. You tell the mountain about God. Let me say that again. You don't speak to the mountain. You speak to the mountain about God. We speak faith into the mountains of our lives. This kind of reminds me of the story of David and Goliath in the Old Testament. 
in which uh, this little kind of scrawny teenage shepherd boy comes against this great big mighty giant of a warrior. And all of Israel, all of the army, all of David's brothers are just kind of freaking out. And they're like, he is too big. He is too big to beat. And what David does is that he goes, he goes, he's too big to miss. He just switches around. He says, he's too big to miss. Give me something and I'll take care of it. And he goes out to him and he says, who are you? Who are you to come against the armies of the Lord? Who are you? You ain't nothing. You are not bigger than my God. And he takes this rock and he swings it around and he throws it because the giant was too big to miss. And the giant came down. He took the giant out. Now, I just want to be really clear about something. Because there is a disturbing kind of theology that is out there in Christian circles called faith word theology. This is where if you say it, you can have it. If you blab it, you can grab it. If you name it, you can claim it. In other words, I want this Rolls Royce in the name of Jesus. And then the Rolls Royce shows up. No. It's not the way that it works. I'm not saying that at all. It's a very dangerous theology, and it's a misinterpretation of Scripture. But what I am saying is this, that if you align words of faith with what is actually God's truth, and you speak it out into your circumstances, and you guard your heart, and you speak words of encouragement to others, and by faith you speak these words with God's truth to yourself and your circumstances, you can then watch God do what only God can do. That when you align those things, he actually does show up and do some things and change some things that you would never be able to experience in your own power. Folks, some of you right now are not doing what you've been called to do because you are believing things that aren't true. You're not doing what you've been called to do because you're not believe or you're believing some things that are just not true. If you recently have maybe been telling yourself, you know what, my life is bad. My life is stink-worthy. I mean, it just stinks. My, my life is, is bad news. I'm, I'm never going to be happy. Folks, that's not true. Scripture says this. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans to bless you and to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. Maybe some of you are sitting there right now and you're thinking to yourself, my life is miserable. I can't do anything. No, 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 no. That's not true. Scripture tells us you can do anything with your life through life and godliness. You can through Christ. If you recently have been saying, I never get any breaks. I just never get any breaks in my life. No, that's not true. 
I serve a God who is all-knowing, who is all-powerful, who is all-sufficient for me. He can do that. And he is a good God, a very good God. In fact, he says this, I'm working all things together for your good, for those who know me, believe in me, love me, and are called according to my purpose. And so today, what I want to do is to help you get out of some of your hot messes because what's creating that the most is your words and that you would replace your toxic words with God's truth. Folks, words are powerful. They're extremely powerful. And this is what you need to know. You are not the sum total of the words of what other people say. You are who God says you are. You are not who others say you are. You are who God says you are. And who does God say you are? He says you're beautiful. You, body, mind, spirit, you're beautiful. You're one of a kind. You're my masterpiece and we need to speak those kind of words to ourselves we've got to guard our heart against toxic words and then we need to speak words to others every chance we get that are life-giving that when we think of something good we actually say it to the people that are around us And we speak these life-giving words to ourselves and into our circumstances. And this is what I know and I believe. That if you can change the words that you're listening to, and you can speak the words that God desires you to, your life will change. And the hot messes will go away. Let's pray. Well, God, thank you so much for your words that are always there to build us up. God, help us to listen to you more than we listen to anyone else. Now, maybe right now there are some of you that have become a victim to reckless words. Words that other people have said to you that you're a loser, you're pathetic, you're useless. And if you've been wounded or you've been hurt or bruised by other people's words, no one looking around, just your eyes closed if you feel comfortable, just kind of head bowed. But if you've been wounded or hurt by other people's words, would you just raise your hand and say, yep, Chris, that's me, that's me. And then maybe for others of you, you would be bold enough that you're the offender. You're actually the person who's caused some hurt and damaged words. And you might say, you know what? That's me, Chris. That's me. Let's pray. God, I pray right now for both sides of the coin. For those who are carrying a wound right now, God, would you set them free from that? Would you erase those words from their mind? And when they come back from the evil one, they would remind themselves that they are not what others say they are. They are who you say you are. I pray, God, that they would listen to you above all things. Remind them that 
they are beautiful, that they're loved, that they're valuable, that they're one of a kind. God, give them the power also to forgive that person or that poison, that word that was placed in their hearts to forgive the other person and to speak truth. Heavenly Father, I also pray right now for those who have used their words to hurt other people. Their words have caused damage. Their words have caused destruction, maybe to someone in their family, their coworker, a friend. I ask right now, God, that you would forgive them of their careless words. And God, give us the self-discipline to be able to bite our tongue and not to allow intentional, hurtful words to come out. Help us, God, to only have words that build other people up around us. And so, God, I pray right now for those who have been wounded and those who have done the wounding, that you would bring healing in this place and for those on the stream right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, there are some of you that maybe you've heard some words from other people that have told you, you know what? You will never be able to be made right with God. Because of what you've done, because of what you've said, because of that thing that was in your past, you'll never be made right with God. And if you have heard that from someone, that you're not enough, you won't be made right with God, I want you to know that's a lie. That's a lie. This is what God says. God says, I love you. In fact, God loved each and every one of us so much that he sent his one and only son, not just to speak it from heaven, but he sent him from heaven to come to earth, to die on a cross for all of our sins. Every single thing you've ever done in your past, he says, I can take that. I'm going to place it on my son and you can have abundant life here on earth. And this is what he says. Anyone, anyone, and that includes you, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone. And he says, not only will you be saved here on earth, but Three days later, after Jesus died, he rose again and he said, now I come to give you eternal life as well. Not just abundant life now, but eternal life forever. And if today is the day where you're like, I want those words in my life. Well done, good and faithful servant. I am pleased with you, my son. I am pleased with you, my daughter. If you're ready for those words to be shared with you from your heavenly father, if you're ready to say, I need you, Jesus. I need your love. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I need your second chance. I need a home in heaven with you. Then I'm going to invite you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself but it's one that we'll pray together. And so I invite you, if you feel comfortable, just to close your eyes and you can just repeat this prayer after me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today I put my trust in you. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today, I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.